Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. I was just thinking this morning, uh, you know, there's so many new people come to the church, you may not know uh, necessarily who Pastor Brian is. I know some of you guys have known him uh, since he was a, a kid, but uh, Pastor Brian and Miss Leah actually planted this church years ago, and so uh, they're the reason, in essence, we're here. These guys have been uh, mentors, spiritual parents, great friends, brothers, cousins. We we've kind of have all those kind of relationships uh, for about, man, 23 years now. So anyway, so Pastor Brian is an elder here in the church, and if you can, welcome him today. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. It's good to be here today. All right, let's go. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just a great opportunity to be here with your people. And thank you for all the things that you've done in our lives. And we just give you honor, Lord, for, um, you know, just doing such amazing things in us, through us, uh, that the God of the universe would, would partner with us, and, and we just see amazing things happen in, in our lifetime. We just call forth those amazing things in the days and weeks and months ahead. God, you know where everybody's at in this room, and Holy Spirit, we know you know how to touch them exactly where they need to be ministered to, and so we just ask you to do that. Just take over. Um, you're the great translator. You know how to take whatever it is that comes out of my mouth and make it make sense to the individuals that are in this room. So we just ask you to do that. And while I talk, do your thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, and I believe that. I believe that God has a way of communicating to us that goes beyond words, goes beyond anything that we can even see and hear sometimes. He has the ability to get down into our spirit and do things Sometimes you're listening to the preacher like Charlie Brown commercial, like, wah, 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 and God's doing something in you while the whole thing is like, good word today, Pastor. <laughs> right? Jesus gave you something that uh, you needed, and uh, sometimes it's just a verse. Sometimes it's just a part of that message that God will just key in on, and that's your thing for the day. Amen? Take it home. Put it in the bank. He's going to use it, and you'll need it next week. Amen. So I'm just believing that God's got something for you today um, that you can take home and put in the bank and uh, run with it. Amen. So there's a couple of scriptures we want to do. And uh, actually, go back to that one. That's a cool, cool screen. Who did that? I couldn't have come up with that. That's awesome. Just ponder. Anyway, cal- calmly think of that or something. Anyway, history in the making, building a foundation for the next generation. That'll preach. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was funny. I almost went and prayed for the opening of the message again. <laughs> well, we've already been there. You know, I, I got done with the first service, and it was like, um, you know, you feel like you've been in a boxing match. You go over to the corner, and it's like, okay, yeah, good, yeah. 
get you a drink, you know, here, you might want to say this, don't say that, and whatever. You know, they didn't do that. <laughs> so anyway, Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, 1 through 10 says, And you were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Remember those days. That's part of our history. That's what Jesus has brought us from, or what Jesus is capable of bringing us from, should we choose to follow him. Verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Jesus. That's where he's brought us to. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that passage because it is in a nutshell our foundation. Jesus is our foundation. And the work that he's doing in us hinges upon our salvation experience. So when God begins his work in us through salvation, all the stuff that we talk about today will be after that moment. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I encourage you, it's well worth it. You've never experienced anything like what Jesus can do in your life when you give him permission to come in and take over. And then that last verse, verse 10, if you could put that up there again, it's one of my favorites, for we are his workmanship. You know that word workmanship is, and trust me, I'm not some Greek guy, but anyway, uh, it's the one word that I've remembered like for my whole ministry career. It's poema. And it has to do with poem. It takes time to write a poem. A poem just doesn't come out. It's not just like me rambling on about stuff. A poem, you have to think about it. And there's like rules and whatnot with writing a poem. Um, it has rhyme and reason and structure. And it's the base word of poema it has to do with artistry and, you, and a work of art. And that's what God's making, doing in us. You're like a poem that God's writing. When you give your life to Jesus, he starts writing this poem. I believe it's been written a long time before when we give our life to Christ. But there's this poem. There's this picture. Think about it. God starts drawing you, your journey. He starts drawing your path. It's a work of art. 
imagine the God of the universe painting your, your journey and you didn't think he was important? You didn't think you fit anywhere? And you got the God of the universe painting your life like a tapestry. You ever walked into a room and saw a piece of art that just kind of took your breath away? When God starts taking over your life, that's what he starts doing. He'll take all that brokenness, take all that mess. Both services now, we did the part about addiction in that song, and the place kind of went nuts for a second. Why? Because there's some resonation there. There's some folks that got freed from addiction, giving their life to Christ. Amen? There's history in that, in that part of the song. There's history. And, you, and attach, you can attach. If you've been through addiction, you know what it is to be attached to something that's got a hold on you. And Jesus has this way of, of detaching us from our addictions. So amazing. But it's part of that picture He's taking something that was messed up and broken, bruised, not so amazing, and he's making something beautiful. An artist, a work of art, a poem, a beautiful poem. Some people have made their whole living off of writing poems. Their whole life has been writing poems, and they became very wealthy doing it. Maybe because it's an art form. Not everybody can do it. And do you realize that God has made you, uniquely handcrafted you in his own way? And he draws, nobody's telling God what to draw. <laughs> you don't tell God what to draw. You know, he's drawing. And so when I look across this room, you're not just Manas or wherever you came from. <laughs> right? Your works of art. You're what Jesus is making. And that's amazing to me. The fact that the God of the universe would take his time and have the ability to individually connect with each person in a room just this size. But it's not just happening in rooms like this all over the nation and all around the world. Week in and week out, God's taking people and he's pulling them out of their darkness and he's putting life in them. He's putting light in them. He's putting hope in them. He's putting a future. He's putting a song in their heart where it was just depression and darkness and discouragement and failure and, and I can't make it another day. And he gives them a, a, a glimpse of what can be. He gives us a glimpse of what he can do. And he starts writing starts drawing. I love that about God. So that's that last verse. You are his workmanship. That'll preach. But we can't stay there. We've got to keep moving. Let me say this. This is in my notes, and I didn't say this the first service. For some people, the journey is the destination. And that's me. I really don't care where we get to today. I don't have an end. It's just a big run-on sentence. It just keeps going and going and going. We have to stop because the clock will say, you know, we have to stop. But Jesus doesn't stop with our clocks. This message, the message that's in you, 
The picture that's God's drawing, it gets more and more detailed and more and more intricate, more and more amazing. It gets more and more Him by the day, by the hour. So His messages, your messages don't stop. It's just this ongoing process of God interacting with his people and giving us his heart week in and week out so that we can become everything that he's destined us to be. But anyway, here it is. The path that we are on now in part will be our history. A story is unfolding. A story is unfolding. A picture is being drawn. And God's doing it. God's doing it. We have to say yes, right? That's our part. We have to say yes. And go along for the ride. In each season of our lives, the decisions we make are establishing our history. Right? You guys have made some decisions along the way. Some of them was good. Some of them wasn't so good. Right? You ever made a bad decision? Ooh, we won't tell that story today. <laughs> we don't want that in the picture. <laughs> it's like the crazy uncle, you know. Get him out of the picture. Don't be associated with that guy. A story is unfolding. In each season of our life, the decisions we make are establishing our history. Our history is foundation for the next generation to build on. All right, so something's going on with this journey that you're on with Jesus. And it's not just about you or me. See, what you're establishing is relationship with the God of the universe. But you're not to hold that. We're not to hold that to ourselves. It's impossible. You can't have this amazing poem being written about you and this whole thing of God working amazing things in your life and not have that spill over in the people around you. There's a difference about you when you give your life to Christ. There's a difference about you when God's working in your life. And people may not be able to put their finger on it, but they know. And so there's influence that goes along with God's interactive with you. He's placed that ability in you to reflect his image. So this image that he's drawing of you is simply a way for him to help you see yourself the way he sees you. We see ourselves in all kind of weird ways. And mostly it's not positive. A lot of times it's not positive unless you've got that one person in the crowd that's like this super like, you know, confident person that it's like, yeah, it's all about me and whatever. And I'm amazing and God bless America. <laughs> but, but that's not very many people. Most of us have like our own insecurities and we see ourselves through this, this imagery of what we've painted of ourselves. And usually it's a compilation of our failures, our addictions, all the stuff that went wrong, all the bad decisions. And a lot of times that's the picture that we have of ourselves, And it's not an accurate representation of who God has told us that we are. 
So somewhere along the line, we have to start discarding. You ever had to clean out your phone? You got too many pictures in there, and it's like this rabbit crossing the street, and it's irrelevant to where you are. It's like, yeah, the rabbit goes today, because you got to get the thing down so you can take some new rabbit pictures. Whatever. And so, you ever had to clean out your phone, though, because it's just gotten too filled up with just stuff? And you go down through there, and you're like, yeah, that one goes, that one goes, that one goes, that one goes. Making room for the new. Well, that's what's needing to happen in our journey with Jesus, is that there's some imagery that just needs to get deleted. There's some, some history that's... that's uh, it's not serving us well. Amen? So let's talk about that. That's kind of where we're headed today. Our history is a foundation for the next generation to build on. I was talking to my son, Austin. We was in North Carolina a couple of weeks ago. And he had, there was a visiting ministry to come to the church there. And they had brought their sons with them. And they have a ministry to Israel. And uh, so they're ministering to the Jewish community. And um, they travel over there a lot. And so in the Jewish community, for generations, they have this way about tradition and explaining to their each generation what the different seasons are, what Passover is, what, what uh, Feast of the Tabernacles is, what, the, what happened when God brought them out of Egypt and crossed over the Jordan, and all of the things that we see as Bible stories was a part of their history. That was my grandfather. That was my great, 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 great grandfather, but it's still my grandfather. And so they have this ongoing history that they're talking about. Now, we all know that history, some of it's good, some of it's bad. The thing I love about the Bible and God's record is, is that he doesn't delete all the bad stuff. It's all in there. It's all in there, partly not so that we can beat ourselves up, but it's a reminder of, yeah, I don't want to don't make that decision again, right? I don't want to go there again. When Israel had to stay in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't have the courage and the faith to cross into the promised land because they saw the giants, they saw how difficult it was going to be to take that land and their hearts failed them for fear, they didn't get to go over. They didn't see God's miraculous provision. They didn't see the way God was going to help them to accomplish it because they gave up before they got there. So for 40 years, they stayed in the wilderness and they didn't get to be a part of what God's provision would be. So we have to be careful about the historical pieces to remember them, not allow them to define us, But the things that we have seen God do, it helps us, or seen other generations do, it helps us to have faith for our generation. That's the historical record that I'm talking about when it becomes a foundation for the next generation. When Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, they crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. I don't know about you, but if I had a story to tell my grandkids, I'd be like, yeah, I was the one that did the rod thing. I was out there one day and God just told me to put my rod out over Lake Champlain or the Red Sea, and it just parted. 
I'm like, really, Grandpa? Whoa, you're amazing. Grandkids think you're amazing no matter what anyway, but, you know, you imagine throwing that detail in there. There's history that it's pointing to the provision of God in your life, and you don't want to forget that. You don't want your kids to forget that. You don't want your grandkids not to know about it. And so the Jewish people are really good at keeping those memories and those histories alive. They keep telling the story. And what I thought was amazing, just a tidbit for for the emerging generation, here's my son, what, 22? 22 now. And he's he's coming up in a generation that's very confused like super confused right now. And so there's, there's, it's almost like there's, the, the ground is all shifting underneath what's right, what's wrong. You know, what's real, what's not real. I could give you examples and I'm just going to refrain because it'll go down a rabbit trail I don't need to go down. But this generation is in a quandary to know what's actually real. Bedrock, foundation. That's why Ephesians chapter 2 is so important. Jesus is the foundation, and you just got to rest on that, period. Sometimes you don't know much more than that, but you got to rest on that. That is bedrock for us to rest on. This whole thing is happening because of what God did through His Son, Jesus. And we have a story to tell because of it. So my son is, is, is talking with these kids and, and they're, you know, we prayed over the meal and, and then they do some traditional prayer. No reservation. They just did their, their additional thing after Pastor Al got done. And my son was amazed by that. And he started talking about their traditions. And growing up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, we were kind of pushing back against denominational tradition, you know, because we didn't want to do it just because the last generation did it. And it was, it was, there was like this, this kind of rub that was happening. And I get that. I went through that myself. But my son now in generation coming, that's saying, we don't have any tradition that we can kind of hang our hat on. Or he was looking at them and saying, wow, that's, that feels solid. That feels like there's something to that. Or they really believe that. And so they're willing to kind of be different than the crowd right now. And they just did their traditional prayer. And it spoke very loudly to him. So there's something about the historical record that we really need to and should pay attention to. Because it's giving us and the next generation something to stand on. When we started this church, um, we started at, you know where the flatbread pizza place is on Route 1? There's a white farmhouse attached to that. And uh, it was a conference, I don't know if it's still a conference center now, but it was then. And so they had the restaurant on one side, which is awesome. But anyway, there we were. 
And um, it was a stretch for us to go there. It was definitely out of our price range. And, and so, but I just kept going by there and it was like God said, this is where I want you. This is where I want you. And so we kind of took a step of faith and told that we was wanting to rent it. And uh, so he said, good, sign on the dotted line. This is when your first payment is due. And uh, my heart went into my shoes. But we, we uh, made that commitment. And then uh, a few weeks later, we actually told Pastor Al that we had made a commitment and we had a location and we were ready to go. And um, he said, well, um, I hope you picked a good one because God told us to pay for it for the next couple of years while you get started. So uh, that rent was already paid for before we even got there. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. We didn't know that. But God knew that. God's already been where you're going. He knows the history that He wants you to pass to another generation. He's already been there. He's already paved a way through the wilderness. And if we have faith enough to step into it, He will make a way. And the history that gets created, the moments that create, get created by those steps of faith is what God will use for future generations to stand on. So we tell these stories to my kids. There was a, there was a uh, now I'm telling them to you, um, there was a uh, lady that started coming to the church, but she um, came up to me after service one day. I usually went out on this front porch. It's a glassed-in front porch, and it was long as it wasn't dead of winter, it was pretty nice out there. It was quiet where I could kind of keep my thoughts together, and, and, uh, which is pretty difficult for me. They're usually all over the place. And, uh, but she said to me, she said, you know, when, uh, when this, house, this house was owned by a lady that I used to caretake for or take care of as she was getting older, and she said, we used to sit on this porch and she said, I just spent hours out here watching her and taking care of her and being here. And she said, I used to sit on this porch and pray that God would send a church like this one to this region. And she said, I had no idea that one day I would drive by and there would be a sign for a church in this very spot. I want to tell you that God's already been where you're going. I know it looks a little scary, it looks a little crazy, it looks a little different, the landscapes change, you give your life to Jesus, the landscape's going to change. You know, you start seeing things that you never saw before, you start sensing things you never sensed before, the landscape's going to change, but God's already been where you're going. He's already got it cleared for you. It looks like it's just a wooded wilderness and God's got a path right straight through the middle of it. And when you get there, the trees just start falling Side to side, side to side, uprooted, paving a highway before you. He's got a way. He's already made a way. He's got provision that you're not aware of. He's got somebody that's going to pay the bill. He's got a job that you're going to be able to make them. He's got some way. He always has a way. God just doesn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I had it for everybody else, but, but for Don, Donnie, I, oh, I forgot Donnie today. What are we going to do? Hey guys, we've got to have an emergency meeting. What are we going to do about Donnie? Pendleton Builders is just out there in, in a lurch because we've, we've, you don't forget nobody. And if you think you've been forgotten and you feel like you're in the wilderness, he's got a way through that wilderness. 
And you're coming out on the other side. It's just a matter of time. You're coming out on the other side. And when you get on to the other side, you'll have been through some stuff that'll be a part of your story. Because history is nothing but a story. History is nothing but a story that needs to be told. It needs to be reminded of. We need to be reminded of the stories. The Word of God is chock full. It's mostly stories. It's mostly, you know, it gets into some, some, some stuff too, obviously. Paul's trying to help a, a, a new generation to come out of tradition and come into a relationship, which is a difficult process. So I get that. But you know what? The most of the Bible is the stories of how they walk through that process. Look at the children of Israel. It's just one big gigantic story from start right all the way through the Old Testament. It's just a story of what God was doing. Amazing stuff. We're at Joshua chapter 4. So this is kind of like the core of, of the story, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. It says, then, then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which you dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord that is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And he told them later on, and it's, it's a long story, uh, most of them are, but there are some stories. But in this story, he told them as they were crossing over the Jordan, that they was to pick 12 stones out of, the, out of the river where the priests stood with the Ark of the Covenant. I think that's important. He wanted those stones to come close to where the priests were because it was the priests that went first. They were assigned to go first and stand or step into the water. Nothing happened until what God asked them to do was completed. He asked them to take the Ark of the Covenant and to step into the water. And when the, they stepped into the water, the water was going to part. And it did. They stepped. That step is probably the most difficult part of our journey. Those steps. Because most of them require us to go beyond our own understanding. Sometimes our own logic. Why would you tell Abraham to pick up all of your stuff and move from the, the amazing family, whatever, then go to a land that they didn't know? That's, a, that's just a hard, it's comfortable where your family is. You got some provisions there. You got some resources there. You got peoples you know, all that sort of thing. And then God just throws this thing in there where we got to step outside of our comfort zone into a place where he wants us to go. It's usually because our dependence is on ourself and he wants the historical record of our journey to be stuff he did, not what we did. God doesn't get any glory out of the stuff that we can just do by ourselves. When God spoke to the lady that started coming to the church, I couldn't have put that together in a thousand years. Why is it that we picked that place? Because God had a message that he wanted her to, he wanted her to know unequivocally that she prayed and God heard her prayers and had us choose that place to start the church in that she asked for. The same porch that she sat on and prayed. I sat in and prayed before my messages on Sunday morning getting ready. 
That's the intricate details of this picture that God's drawing of your journey. You don't know where he's taking you, David, with that thing you're building. You don't know how you're going to get there. And there's all kinds of weird stuff happening in the middle of it, the journey. But guess what? He's already paved a highway through it. The hardest part for us is that we have to keep our focus on that Ephesians chapter 2. This is where I was. This is where He's brought me because of His grace. And by His grace, this is where we're going. And in all of this, all of this historical journey that we're talking about, you cannot forget that core element. He is the reason. When we say he, Jesus is the reason for the season, it's the truth. No joke. He is the reason. And He's the reason all of the things that we go through that bring glory to His kingdom. Not all the things that we go through, trust me. But He has a way of bringing us through stuff to bring glory and honor to His name. So, God knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. And He knows how to help you get there. And He's got provision for the journey. He's got a way through the wilderness. And he knows how to get you through it. So whatever you're facing this morning, you didn't need to hear all the other stuff that I had thought that I needed to say. You just needed to hear this part or whatever God spoke to you that I didn't even say. Right? What we need to know this morning as we, as we leave this morning is that God's already been where you're going and you don't have to be afraid. You're not a loser. That image that you painted of yourself is inaccurate. Start, start getting your eyes transitioned and your heart transitioned to what God said about you because He thinks you're amazing. He knows where you're going and He knows how to get you there. And He's got provision for you along the way. And then this historical record, you're going to have these victories. And can I, can I just say this? Sometimes it seems really small in comparison to God, you know, here's the, here's the staff, Red Sea parts, whatever. And, you know, we're thanking God that we didn't burn the toast or something. And so our world sometimes seems insignificant or minuscule compared to what God has done in, in these amazing stories that we read in the Bible. But can you agree with me that God's drawn a picture a beautiful picture, a tapestry. He's writing a poem that is a beautiful representation of how he sees you. Could we go on assignment this week and start looking into, God, what's the, what's the picture? What's the image that you want me to see of who you see me to be? You already know how I see myself. And I'm kind of convinced that it's probably an inaccurate picture. So how do we get to change this this history. How do we got to change? I want to create a history that's a true reflection of the image of God in my life, of what you see in my life. Not what my family said, not what my parents have said, if it's a negative thing, not what, you know, whoever, but what do you see of me, God? And we start telling that story. And then when you have a, when you have a moment where God does something and you know 
God just did something. He answered a prayer. He showed you something that was nobody else would have known. And it's just like this moment between you and him. Start telling somebody about those moments. It may seem insignificant, but start telling his story. Start telling the story of God's interaction and intervention in your life. I'm going to close with this. When we were rebuilding our house, before we even started the church, there was a, there was a renovation that needed to take place, this 180-year-old farmhouse, 2,000-year-old farmhouse, whatever. And, uh, and we, we had dug into the walls and stuff was all over the floor and laz and plaster everywhere. And, and, you know, just, you know how that process is. And for us, he had been sent, we'd been sent here on assignment, but we had to have a place to live. And this is a, kind of the family farm that got handed to us. And my dad was like, if you can do anything with it, you can have it or whatever. And I'm like, well, it's free. We'll give it a, we'll give it a go. And so here we went. And uh, we got all the, a bunch of lads and plaster, and we're having a, you know, my wife's having a meltdown because it's just, just awful, honestly. It's just awful. The place looked like it should have been tore down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And... Um, Right at that moment, I was working in this back room and there was a closet, a little closet thing. And um, on the back wall of that closet, somebody had put a newspaper and plastered it to the back side of that closet. And it was from 1860, June of 1860. It was a Missionary Alliance newspaper, probably just what they had. Um, I'm sure they didn't think they were putting that there for me to find or my wife to find, but it was there. We were moving here. We were scheduled to move here in June 2003. And so that headline of that newspaper was June 1860. And the scripture headline for that newspaper that, that week was, I will be exalted among the heathen, and the desert will come forth and blossom like a rose. You can't tell me that God didn't know that 180 years later, we were going to be tearing out the walls. He watched it being built the first time, right? He knew they were putting that paper in there. He instructed them to do so. They didn't know what they were doing. The person that was in New York City and wrote that newspaper headline had no idea what was going to happen 160 years from now. But God did. And that's my point to this message. If God can orchestrate things so that he can send us a message in the midst of the rubble and the brokenness of that home that we were trying to establish so that we could get to what God wanted us to do, God said, you'll you'll get there. You'll get there. But here's a note for you. I had some folks that I knew put this in there. And uh, just read that. Read it and weep, buddy. (laughs) I did. We did. Thank you, Jesus. So today, when I look around and I see what God's done through the people that have come, and Pastor Quentin and Jen have just done an amazing job of just really establishing the church again and, and building the congregation with obviously the help and grace of God. But, um, you know, you can, you can see why I, there are times when I get a little weepy because when we opened up that closet, it not only gave us hope to go on, 
but it also showed us what God had in mind. I will be exalted among the heathens. And that, that word heathen doesn't necessarily mean just reprobate sinner. It's to the nations. I will be exalted among the nations. And the desert, even the most dry and desolate place, which we knew was mid-coast, Maine, you know, <laughs> You know, we're coming from our recent tour in North Carolina where everything's, everybody's a Christian, you know. And he said, the desert, this desert will come forth and blossom like a rose. So when you don't think, well, when you know you don't know what you're doing, God does. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the hope that you instill in us. God, to take the things that you plant in its infancy in our heart and expand and go forward and grow with it until it becomes this this, uh, amazing thing that you've done. And it's this whole collection of people and generations and and interactions with you that that just grow and, and explode and blossom over time. God, we're just thanking you for things that we can, can uh, ref- that we can experience, that we can pass on to our kids and to their kids and to future generations. Thank you for current stuff, Lord. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for signs. Thank you for wonders. Thank you for interaction with you that's undisputedly a part of our story. Thank you for your grace because we know it's sufficient to keep us going during the in-between times when the lads and plaster are falling on our head. You've got a plan. You've got a way through that wilderness and you're making something beautiful out of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.